Yes, the, the one nice thing about having a big Bible with, with big print is that you can read it really well, but getting it out of here when you're holding a mic is somewhat of a, a circus-like circus -like endeavor. Um, so thank you for bearing with me as I navigated that. Normally I get it out before, but um, I didn't this time. As I spent time studying, praying yesterday about what the Lord would want me to bring before you uh, on this Sunday, uh, I, just to be very open with you, I was receiving a lot of direction concerning what uh, we're supposed to be focusing on during our upcoming seminar and putting the progressions together and trying to listen to the Lord I wasn't studying that. I was in prayer about today, and the Lord just kept talking to me about what's coming in March. And then I thought, well, I'll take a break, and I'll come back. And then uh, the Lord started talking to me about uh, the next semester of teachings that we're needing to present for Brazil beginning in February. And so I was noting the things that he was saying, and, and I was grateful for that. Uh, but honestly, my mind started thinking, Father, uh, I appreciate what you're telling me, but I still need something for tomorrow from you. And um, so I stopped and rebooted, and then uh, I went back up in the early evening and was sitting there. I had my Bible programs up on the screens and was praying in the Spirit. And this passage came, and I was so grateful for it. And then early this morning, the Lord just kept talking about various aspects of what we're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 5. And I truly believe that this is what we want it to be, a, a rhema word for us today from his scripture. You know, there's always something that we can talk about. There's always some new measure of understanding from the word that God wants to give us, but it's really important for us to have um, a, a timely word that from the anointed word, any word you would get from the scripture is a blessing, but a, but a rhema word, which is for the time, is something that is cherished, and I truly believe that this passage from the... the um, the writings of Peter, is that for us. So we're going to read this and we're going to talk about a few aspects that I believe will be a blessing to, to all of us today from our, from our Heavenly Father. So 1 Peter chapter 5, and let's begin reading at verse 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, 
who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is a really profound passage. Sometimes we think of Peter and we remember that he was, he was a vital, vital individual in the, in the disciple group. And he was strong and tall. He was forceful. People just followed him because of who he was. It kind of reminds me of something that was said uh, uh, by, by Benjamin Franklin when they were trying to determine who they were going to first put up to to be the general of the army, and Franklin said a number of things, but he, in a very whimsical way, said, you know, Washington stands head and shoulders above everybody else. He's easy to follow. And that is really an interesting thing. Of course, we know that uh, sometimes that backfire. Saul was also head and shoulders over everybody else, and he really wasn't too interested in, in leading anything. But Peter was a very um, forceful, very sensitive individual, but yet um, we don't really consider him as being a theologian. You know, I, I would think that that's a fair statement. We don't consider him to be like Paul, who sat at the feet of Gamaliel and could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Pharisees concerning the law. Uh, Peter just was simple enough to, to lead and to believe. And so when I see this wonderful, wonderful passage in 1 Peter 5, and I see the depth of what Peter is saying here, I would have to know that this comes from time that he spent individually with the Lord, specifically time after the, uh, the resurrection when Jesus spent some very endearing personal times with Peter. And because there are some dynamic themes, uh, principles of the Word of God that are just woven together here under the anointing of the Spirit. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful for what Peter is saying. The first thing he says, leading into what we've read here, is that it's imperative for the church to have that structure wherein you have the generations working together. And that's a theme that is throughout Scripture, and we also see that over and over again the enemy attacked that. You know, we don't need to reteach this, but it was difficult to see uh, the, the, the pattern of Moses and Joshua because they weren't able to work together in the Promised Land. Saul and David weren't really able to work together. Elijah and Elisha weren't really able to work together. And we see that challenge over and over again, and it's something that God says is imperative in the times of the end. In the, in the end of Malachi, we read that the days of Elijah are coming in the time of the end, and the hearts of the fathers will be turned to the children and the children to the fathers, and God was going to be doing a work of, of separating and refining his people. That's, that's an incredible thing. And so here Peter is what is welcoming that and really saying, you elders and you younger ones, you need to work together. And in the structure of things, the younger need to honor the elder, but you all need to honor each other. 
And that's really an important thing. And I think that there are a lot of reasons that the enemy can find to kind of screw that up. Um, one of them is the idea that, you know, these, these old fogies aren't letting me develop. Or they're not giving me a chance so that my giftings can really shine. And that happens a lot. That happens a lot in churches. It happens a lot in society. And we also know that there are just times where older folks really don't want to let young ideas and new fangled things come about, and they kind of try to put the lid on it. And I can speak that. I spoke that when I was a younger guy, and I'm still speaking it now when, well, I'm still young. Isn't that right, Rose? Uh, but as an older fella. And it's imperative that every generation recognize their, their place and find a way to work together in continuing to go forward. And so Peter hits this, and he says, if you are in charge, don't lord over people. He says that in, in verse 3, but be an example and let... Um, let there be a, a measure of you feeding the flock. And, and it's important, that example thing. Peter, Peter had to be that. Jesus told him, look, you make sure you're converted. You make sure you are established. You make sure that you're following the, the deeper things of the Spirit. And as you do that, your brethren will follow you. Um, and um, I, I, think, I think that that is an important thing measure. You know, during the inaugural speech this past week, um, Joe Biden quoted almost directly something that Bill Clinton said in his second inaugural. And he was talking about um, the United States leading by example and not leading by power. And, and I think that is a noble thing. I mean, if that really is the case, you know, Teddy Roosevelt said, you know, you, you speak softly, but you, you have that big stick there that you're carrying. And so Peter understood that principle. And I, I pray that even though this isn't really what I intended to speak from this passage, we didn't even read these scriptures. They're just the first part of chapter 5. But Peter recognizes that that structure should be in place, and it's, it's something that God can use, and it's something that God wants to use. And then that leads into what we did read. And it says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humility is something that is, the Bible describes as a mantle, it's described as a, as a cloak, and it's, it's, um, it's really the garment of a person that is walking in meekness. And we have to search ourselves to say, is there any way where pride is ruling my life? Pride can be a, a fickle friend because it can try to get something that you aren't supposed to be getting. It can try to get something before the time. It can try to keep you in a position of your perceived power. It can take offense easily. It can, um, it can try to hold other people down so that your position isn't threatened. And, and so I think it's really unique that Peter speaks about this right here. 
in verse 5. And he reminds that God is looking to the proud, the proud and he is resisting them, but he is giving promotion and grace to those who walk in humility. And then it says this in regard to humility. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. You may not recognize this when you first look at this in English or whatever language you may be reading it in across the Internet, but um, this is really somewhat of a, um, a contradictory phrase. The mighty hand of God. And the reason it's contradictory is twofold. First of all, the hand in Scripture, which we have studied over and over again in the New Testament, the word translated as hand means an emptiness. It means a barren place. It means a valley. It means a storm or a winter time. And it really speaks of beginnings that are followed in faith concerning something else that's coming. You know, like when the winter months might seem barren, but it's really the time of beginnings of the cycle of, of harvest because the, the area is, is regaining its strength, it's building up its nutritional capacities, and it really sets the stage then for the time when planting will occur. And, and harvest may seem a long time off, but winter is there. Uh, the valley is something that separates promise from fulfillment. There's a lot of giants that are faced in the valley. The valley can seem like a shadow of death. And there's a lot of beautiful poetic understanding and practical understanding when we talk about the hand of God. As we've said in the past, that many people want the hand of God, but they view it as a hand of power, a hand of deliverance, a hand of supply, a hand filled with gold uh, coins or some kind of, uh, of treasure. We want the hand of God. But if we really understood what the hand of God is when it first extends to you, it's, will you believe me? Will you join with me in something that I've not done yet that looks awful now? That's the principle of the hand in the New Testament. And, whenever, and, and, and that's indicated by the word that is used from Hellenistic Greek to describe what the hand is. So how does this be, how is this a contradictory phrase? Well, when we recognize that the word that is used by Peter to describe mighty is kratos, and it is that power, according to what we've studied in the progressions of Scripture, that is definitively at the throne of God. The, the power that is over all other power. So here's Peter saying, the Kratos hand, which seems like if God is all-powerful and he's at his throne, how can that be this thing that is the beginnings? And then we think and we recognize that that's what God does. When, he, when his son is seated at the right hand, the prophetic perspective of the throne that's a time of beginnings. And what God says from there will not return void. It will accomplish everything that it was intended to accomplish. When God speaks from his throne, it is not to argue and deliberate 
cases. God is the judge of all, but he's also our father. So if we're going there to try to argue a case, he would have to exempt himself because he's our father. No, God speaks to us, as he said in the book of Amos, where he speaks to us as friends, where he speaks of us as prophetic people. Before he does a thing, he whispers to them. Thing is, will we hear that? A lot of folks don't really want to have much to do with God until everybody's excited about it and there's, there are things happening and there's a lot of action. They want to run to that. But God looks for people who will be his remnant, who will be his seed. And so Peter is saying here that if we humble ourselves with that understanding, no matter where you are, Maybe you've partnered with God and you think, Lord, you know, I know you're in this, but it just seems like things aren't working out as quickly as I thought they would. And haven't we felt that over this past year? You know, God gave us a bevy of promises and those promises are going to be fulfilled. But it seemed like all of a sudden, uh, come February of uh, 2020, things kind of went and we were restricted from traveling. We had to cancel a lot of different uh, engagements and traveling uh, itineraries. And God did a lot of things last year, but it seemed like, Lord, what what are you doing? You know, uh, why, why did, you know, all kinds of whys and whats and hows. And, but when you humble yourself under the, the understanding that God is working a miracle in his hand and he has everything under control from his throne, that when you, when you humble yourself there, you wait patiently. And you, you don't ever doubt that God is in charge. And, and if you start doubting that God's in charge, you need, to, you need to be on your face some more because God has not lost control. I want to guarantee you something this morning, and uh, it borrows from a visual that we've used over the years. God is not sitting on his throne with his head in his hands thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? What am I going to do now? I didn't see this COVID thing coming. I wish I wouldn't have promised those things a few years ago if I'd only known this was going to be here. No, God knows the end from the beginning. And whatever he said he will do. And so when Peter is saying specifically in this context of, hey, you all get along together in the church, elders, you respect the youngers, youngers, you submit in the position of authority that God's put you in, and know that if you humble yourself therein, he is going to bring grace to you, and he's going to bring you into that place that he promised, but recognize that you are humbling yourself in partnership with God's hand and you can trust the fact that God from his throne has not lost control and never will. That is a profound thing that Peter says. And I'm very grateful for it. And it, th that sixth verse concludes by saying that he may exalt you, bring you into a point of fruition, uh, into a point of fulfillment in due time. That's our old friend, Kairos. Kairos. Due time is kairos, which means the exact moment that God has envisioned when breakthrough will come. You know, we mentioned earlier that rhema is, um, is when God takes his eternal word 
and highlights a specific point of it for the moment. And you want the, the rhema word. Well, Kairos is kind of like that with the timetable of God, where God has his ultimate timetable, but you come into Kairos moments, and there's a lot of them in the New Testament. Those are the suddenlies. Those are the, well, the fully come moments from the day of Pentecost, where God says, all right, it's my moment, and here it is. Here's a Kairos moment. And that's what Peter says. He says, God has got it all under control. You're under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself. The promise is going to be fulfilled in the Kairos moment, and God's got it all under control. I love that. Don't you? That's from Peter, and I, I believe that it's something that the Spirit obviously inspired him to understand and to write. I'm sure that the Lord, I wasn't there, but the Lord talked with him about that, and I'm sure that he, he reflected on how God had done this very thing over and over again. You know, there were times, and we know from Scripture that Peter thought, uh-oh, the hand of God has lost control. I better skedaddle. You know, I didn't, uh, I didn't sign in for this business of him being crucified. I'm running away. I, I'm not faulting him, but I'm saying that Peter lived this progression, and he recognized, hey, God is going to do what he said he's going to do, and it's going to be perfect in his timing. We just need to submit therein. Then Peter goes through this warning that um, you, you just need to cast every care you have upon him because you know that he loves you. I like that casting every care upon him because the term cast there is used to, to toss something or to, to get it away from you, but it was also used to to throw either the, the blanket or the saddle upon an animal that you're going to ride and, uh, or, or an animal that you're, that you're burdening to carry something for you. I'm not going to make too much of this, but it's the Lord's power and His mercy that wants to be with you in the times of challenge. And you're not carrying these things alone. It may seem like it, but it's important for you to cast that care upon him because you know that he cares for you. It's a different word, which means that you are, you are really endeared to him. Do you know that? Are you remembering that in your life? It's important that we cast those cares on him and leave them there. Um, because what Peter says next is, you want to have victory, but you also need to remember that your adversary, the enemy, as a roaring lion, is walking around, and he's, uh, he's seeking what he may devour. He's looking for those places where you have allowed yourself to be vulnerable. He's looking for those places where you maybe have got crossways with the plan of God, or you've abandoned it, or you've said, that's it, I've had it, you know, God's forgotten me. And you make yourself vulnerable. You've left the wagon train, as it were. You're going to strike out on your own, and then you're, you're really not in a good place. So Peter goes through all the principles, and he says, you know, God's going to take care of you. And he doesn't use this as a threat, 
but he really uses it as a warning. God wants you to do this because he's going to bless you. You're in his timetable. That's the paramount issue. But for those who aren't listening to what Peter is writing here, you got another motive, and that is that if you, if you go sideways with the plan of God, you are making yourself vulnerable to the enemy who is watching for any opportunity to break through. We don't want to let him break through, do we? We're not going to. And the way you keep him from that is you stay close to the Lord, you trust God, you walk with him, and uh, even though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you're fearing no evil because you're with God. God's with you. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So we come to a verse that we were looking at a lot in the past year, verse 10, where it says, the God of all grace, and it says, after you've suffered a while, we'll do four things. I, I, I don't really, um, I don't understand all the principles of grace. I do know that grace is the way God moves us from one place into a point of promotion. And I do know that one of the, the, the Bible describes one of the spirits of God, one of the seven spirits as being the spirit of grace and supplications. And supplication is that partnership type of prayer with God. And so when you're partnering with God to do something beyond what he's done and, and you're believing that he's going to lead you forward into a new thing, you're praying in supplication and you're, there are a lot of pitfalls and challenges in that pathway of grace. And um, um, part of that is God allowing you to stand in the gap and believe. And sometimes that doesn't feel very good. Sometimes that is a real challenge. And again, your adversary, the enemy, we don't give him too much glory here. We're not giving him any glory, but we're also pointing out that he's always looking in the pathway of grace to try to do what the book of Hebrews says. For those who fail in grace, roots of bitterness come, and then they not only corrupt themselves, but they defile many. The enemy wants to take care of grace in that way and turn it into bitterness. Sometimes that measure of what we perceive as suffering is really that partnership where we're exerting ourselves before the Lord to do everything possible to wait on God and see the fulfillment of what He wants. See, we like to preach things. You know, you go to a church and he gives you three or she gives you three points. You know, this is what God wants to do. And if you do this thing, you'll have it before you, almost said before you end up at Luby's, but they're out of business now. Before you get back home for uh, whatever you're going to eat, whatever you're going to call in an Uber Eats is going to bring you. But, you know, the thing is, is that real life and real Christianity doesn't really work that way. You know, if you're going to accomplish something mighty in God, you're going to have to take a stand and stand there for. And uh, it's a process. That God is not bringing pain to you. God is not beating you. God is not causing you to, to, um, to have an unbearable burden. 
he gets no pleasure out of that kind of thing. But what he does enjoy is you as a son embracing his hand and saying, Father, I'm going to believe you, and whatever this costs me, and however I need to, to exert myself to stand here, yeah, sometimes that's a challenge. Sometimes that can be painful. That's what this suffering is. But the God of all grace, after a little while, will bring you into a point where four things happen. That's what he says here. Four things happen. What are those four, four things? Well, again, anytime you see four things in Scripture, you should immediately look for the connection between what that principle is throughout Scripture where you, uh, the voices, thunders, lightnings, earthquakes, where you are yielding yourself as an intercessor, where you're caught up into the secret place of thunder, where he is empowering you and molding your perspective. And then you're ready to be sent forth as an arrow, as his lightning, as his sun. And then you see things, the earthquake, things turn, as they said of the disciples, those who have turned the world upside down have come nigh to us. You want that progression. And here Peter doesn't do voice, thunders, lightnings, earthquakes, but he uses four things. After you have suffered a little while, the God of grace will do these four things. The first, in King James, it says to make you perfect. And this is, again, something we've studied in the past, but it is um, a word that speaks about being artistic, not autistic, but artistic. And, and to, to fulfill that beautiful thing that God has envisioned you to be, that, that, that beautiful thing that God has told you he's going to do. That's the objective. That's what you've been holding on for. And when you have come to the point where fruition is there, you remember, this is what God said. This is, uh, this is what, what he has created me to partner with him in. And that's, that's amazing. And that's how it's perfect. Because it's like, here's the artistic work that is going to be so beautiful. And when it comes to the point where it's going to be fulfilled, there it is. The second is, um, is to be established. And this is um, from... From originally from histeme, but it's sterizo. And we know a lot about what sterilization is in these, uh, in these days, don't we? Um, you know, I, I just say this, you know, every Sunday before you folks come in, I get uh, one or two of these uh, Clorox wipes, and I go and wipe the doors, and, and I wipe... Uh, the handles on things and the buttons on the coffee makers and the, the stuff up here that uh, the iPod and uh, the, uh, the remotes. And I try to do all that stuff. Not that I doubt the Lord or his blood, but, you know, you just want to do everything you should do. And I, we, we want to sterilize it, don't we? I'm sure you do things like that wherever you are when you remember. Of course, it's that one out of ten times you don't remember that you got to watch out for. I'm playing. We thank God. Les was talking before Sunday school class this morning about early on, you know, in this this redemptive time that he was, God was working in his household. He was cleaning everything off. 
Well, this sterizo means that you are really saying, hey, what doesn't belong here, what does belong here? You know, um, how do I align myself properly with, um, with this place that God wants me to stand through the power of His cross? You know, what's in me that could corrupt, that I need to get cleansed? Well, how am I thinking improperly? I need to get that aligned. And, you know, that's been one of the things that's been happening over this past year, hasn't it? We've had a lot of time where you've spent alone, and it, that gives you time to reflect. Now, some of you, I know there's a temptation to binge watch things, but, you know, even after the binge watches, you run out of stuff to binge about, and um, you, you have time to just wait upon the Lord. And there have been a lot of things that God has brought to my mind, I know, that thinks, hey, you know what, maybe you should reconsider this. Maybe, maybe you could have been a little bit better in this way or in that way. And you want to come into alignment. You want to be cleansed from that evil conscience. And that aligns wonderfully with what happens in the secret place of thunder when you're contrite. The, the, set, the third one is to be strengthened. This is another a derivative of histeme. And it, it means to have things put in their proper order. You know, you first decide that you're going to be cleansed and you're going to get things corrected, and then you start putting things in place. You know, just as an aside, there are three major uh, derivatives of histemi. One, the first is sterizo, which we talked about. The second is stenos, which we, we just talked about. The third is stereos. And we know, remember the day when you first got a stereo? Hi-fi played one way, but stereo, man, that was really something. Strange days. We live back in the Stone Age, Imani. And all of a sudden, you could have this playing out of that speaker and this playing out of this speaker, and voila, you've got stereo. And then you wanted as big of speakers as you could get just to boom things out. So your parents could yell, turn that down, you know, or whatever it is they'd say. And, um, but stereo means that everything is functioning. It has full capacity and function. And even though Peter doesn't use that term, he uses something that is, as they'd say in West Virginia, pert near it, settle you. This means to begin to build. This means to begin to, to let there be a, a measure of development. And so Peter is saying, you know what? You, you remember that you're under the hand of God, and he's in control, and he's got a time that's coming, and you're going to be entering into a point of exaltation, of, of fulfillment, of fruitfulness, and you need to recognize that and watch out because uh, anything that you're troubled with, give that to the Lord while still holding on in belief. And, and as you do that, watch out for the enemy because he's going to try to find that area that you still are a little bit crossways with God about and or you've forgotten what you're really there for. Watch out for him. And then he says, trust God. Because God is a God of grace, and after you've endured things for a little while, He's going to bring you into a point where that artistic thing that He created you to be and that He's covenanted with you to partner in, that's going to take 
a clarity. And you're going to, you're going to know a, uh, a cleansing and uh, you're going to engage in measures of perfection in the way you think, the way you perceive, if you let God do this. And then you're going to begin to sense that there are specific things God wants to have in order. And you are going to be responsible for this and with this and this. And then you're going to see the actual development and the building of that. Like I said, to me, and I know this is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I know that the Scripture is inspired. But as I read this and I look at these amazing concepts that Peter's saying, I just didn't expect them, the, the Spirit to speak them through Peter, which makes it all the more incredible to me. It's, it's all the more incredible. You know, and Peter talked about this in, 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 one, in one of his uh, 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 verse collections where he said, you know what, uh, the Apostle Paul is great because he speaks about mysteries and he says things that are really hard to understand, but yet we know they're from God. You remember reading that from Peter? Peter just speaks, and I'm grateful for that. But the Spirit spoke through him some operational principles from a point where he had been entrusted and used as someone who was a leader, as someone who would draw people forward into new things. And as a leader, whether you feel like you're ready for it or not, you've got to demonstrate patience, and you've got to demonstrate by example. And you don't really like it when somebody who should be honoring and, and walking in submission to the, to the structure of God gets out of whack. Peter's talking about things that he had learned. Peter's talking about things that he had walked through. But thank God we see this measure of fulfillment. How many things did, did Peter see fulfilled? My goodness, how many things? Not only in his own personal life, not only in so many times with Jesus as they walked in the pathway of discipleship. One of the most beautiful ones was that of all of those thespians that were in that upper room, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Peter on the day of Pentecost, and he says, this is that. He saw the fulfillment of the promise of the Father. He saw the resurrection. He saw the ascension. And, and he was the one that was standing there like a, like a great oak tree to be a, a, the rock for these other ones to say, there stands Peter, as you know, the old Civil War term, as a great, great stone wall. Let's dig in. Peter knew that. But here we're getting a picture of what he learned from the Spirit about what it meant to lead in that kind of way. And, and so... He's telling these principles from things that he had walked and seen. So when he's talking about elders and youngers, he knew a whole lot about that, probably more than any of the other disciples. When he's talking about suffering and standing firm under the hand of God, the, the, the power of the throne and that hand of struggle, he knew a lot about that. When he's talking about 
God letting you suffer a little while in the pathway of grace. He knew about that. And the Kairos moments, he knew about that too. I'm sure Peter, uh, in his, this was a skill, it was a strength. If he's going to do something, he's going to do it. Get out of my way. Here we come. <laughs> We're going to get this done. And he had a group of fishermen that worked for him under his father's fishing concern. And he, he didn't take, he didn't tolerate dummies. You do what I'm telling you to do, or you can get out of the boat right now. You know, that's the way he was. He had to be that way. And so for him to be talking about patience and suffering a little while and waiting under the hand of God, all of these things are indications of the ways that the Spirit had sterizoed him and taken those strengths that he had from God and buffing off the rough edges and the things that human nature would want to exert. So I bring this, as I said, as a rhema word, I believe, for all of us. And mostly, I want to assure you that there is a due time. There's a kairos for all of us for what God's promised you, and for what God has promised us in our, in our network around the world and, and throughout this nation. So believe that. And I want to assure you that God's in control. When you took his hand, nobody's taking you out of his hand. Seems I read that somewhere. And maybe Peter didn't say it, but... Make sure you don't jump out of his hand. <laughs> and that's, that's really, um, as long as you keep holding, you're okay. Trust the Lord. And um, he's going to do a perfect work in you. And so, I again want to encourage you today that... Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are affecting us in the world. A lot of things affecting us in our personal lives. We still have limitations in the things that we have become used to as Americans. And um, maybe some of you have really struggled a bit with that. I know... I know I don't want to go too far with this, but I know in my life, I, I recognize that God's given us a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things that we're to do for Him. And there are times where the enemy will come and my own mind tries to, to chime in as if, you know, when's this ever going to happen? When are we able, really ever going to be able to do this thing and that thing, and we're we're waste we're we're there's time is really wasting. You know, I don't know if you think those kinds of things in your own life, and I'm not saying I give place to them. I don't know, crack open a bottle of Jack Daniels and get blasted. You know, I I just wait on the Lord, and I have to trust that He's He's gonna let me feel that thing without quitting. 
feel that thing without abandoning that waiting on the Lord. And, and I know that if at times I feel that way, and primarily it's about our mission, I, I don't think that way about my own life. <laughs> I really don't. I'm not trying to sound saintly here, but, you know, we're blessed. This church is blessed. So I, I, don't, have any, I don't have any complaints. It's, it's about the mission God's given us. And I, I want to I apostolically press that through. I want it to get done. I want to I be moving. And, and, I, and I know the enemy hates what we've been called to do. I said, Lord, you know, I'm grateful that we can have these meetings with our leaders in Europe and our leaders in South America, but I'm ready to get down there. I'm ready to boots on the ground and see what's really going on and lay hands on people and counsel and see what's happening. And God's got his timing. Um, but I don't know what it is that you may be facing, but I know it's the same God, and I know it's these same principles that are true in your life, just as it is in mine and just as it is in our common calling. So don't give up. Spend time with the Lord. I mean really spend time with him. Don't just yank that casting your care upon him. He cares for you and forget all the other stuff. You're a partner with God. Don't ever forget that. He's with you. And he's going to do in your life. He's taking care of you, but he's going to do everything that he promised to do. And we need to remember that. And, um, uh, and I love how the way Peter ends this. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Uh, he's going he's gonna to do what he has extended himself to partner with you in. And the victory is his. And it's always going to be that way. So, I bless you this morning. And I bless those of you. I know, I know that there are some of you. Uh, you forgive me in this house if I reach out to some folks. Uh, that are joining with us, some of you are, we sometimes we think we're alone. You really are in the natural. You, you live in a remote area. You're not able to come here for seminars. You're not able to, to go cross town. Um, many of your churches aren't meeting. And um, I, I speak to you today, you're not alone. And God is going to do what he said he was going to do in your region, in your area. And in due time, that's going to happen. But cherish those moments. Humble yourself under his hand. He's with you. Don't give up. He's not lost track of you. His timing is impeccable. And um, you know, I heard that one of our brothers who's in ministry in, in Sao Paulo recently um, contracted COVID and I don't know what it's like for you to have to deal with things down there. I know you may be listening today. I, I want you to know that God is with you. He's going to bring you through. And you're going to be stronger than you were before that happened. But don't give up. God of all grace is with you. And his due timing is going to happen in all of us. And the last thing I say is this. 
Something that we've said over and over again. God is more interested in the journey with you than he is the final outcome because the final outcome is going to happen. God's going to do what he said he's going to do. He's more interested in you walking with him through the valley. That's where your relationship with him is developed. That's where he can speak to you about who he is and who you are. And um, don't, don't, dis, don't disdain that time because some of you are in that right now. And um, God's faithful. He's more interested in developing his relationship with you and providing for you. The answer is going to come. The victory's coming. Live in it now because God's with you. Heavenly Father, I pray your blessing upon all of these precious saints who are gathered in this room and our extended congregation who are joining us online and throughout the many places in uh, the gatherings of the saints. I pray you bless everyone. I pray that you will strengthen your people and encourage them. May this word be a word of exhortation, that you are with them and that you love them so greatly. Let them be aware of that, not just from a, a, a wonderful blessing of knowing it cognitively, but let it be something that they can sense wherever they are. Thank you for your timing. And thank you that through this year, you're going to continue to lead us. And we're, we're blessed. We're provided for. I ask for those who may be uh, dealing with a physical issue today, whether in this house or across the miles, I ask that that mighty hand of God would touch you and set you free right now. In Jesus' name. And I pray that there would be victory in your life and that the garment of praise would discard the spirit of heaviness. Thank you for this, Father. And thank you, Lord, for allowing us to have this opportunity to meet and to extend in this miraculous way over the Internet. Bless your people this week. And we thank you for all that you're doing, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you all. Thanks for being here. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. And uh, don't forget to this congregation, we have that special meeting on Wednesday. So look forward to an outreach regarding that. God bless you. Goodbye.